It just doesn't feel like summer without an ice-cold Coca-Cola in your hand. Stop by your local convenience store today and grab a 20-ounce bottle of Coca-Cola or Coca-Cola Zero Sugar. Or pick up even more delicious refreshment with a 20-ounce bottle of Diet Coke, Sprite, or Fanta. So no matter how you soak in that summer sun, at home or on the go, grab an ice-cold Coca-Cola today and enjoy. This is the Cubs Related Podcast presented by CubsInsider.com. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan, and we are coming to you on a Monday. It is January 7th, and Brendan, I think you know what that means, and our listeners might already know. know what that means, but today is the 35th birthday of Jonathan Tyler Lester. We will be talking about nothing except for John Lester. No, I'm kidding. Hold on, uh, yeah. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> we w- just a little. Would it bit be a surprise Lester. though? Would it be a surprise if we actually did do that? I was, I was trying to catch you off guard there, Brendan. Like, wait a minute, we didn't agree to that. <laughs> Spent but, thirty minutes prepping for a show, and you do that. <laughs> yeah, you you all know that at the very least, on his birthday, the first thing we are going to talk about is that it's John Lester's birthday, and we're going to wish him a happy birthday. Uh, and Brendan, our, our our guy is getting up there. He's he's now officially in his mid-30s. Where's the enters, time going? Gosh. I know. As, as he enters the, the fifth year of his contract, and it, it also comes on the heels of not to you know, have John share his spotlight at all, as I would never want to do that. But Friday was uh, the 27th birthday for none other than young Christopher Bryant. How is he 27 already? Like, where is time going? This is is absurd. So It actually actually saddens me to think about this. Because I remember KB coming up as like a 23-year-old. I'm like, oh my God, we have KB for the next decade. And we're halfway through that. I mean, where is time going here? But... A big birthday weekend, as as far as you know, one team is concerned. Uh, you've got two of the most important players, I dare say, in franchise history, uh, sharing their birthday on on a, on a weekend in January. So that is rather exciting, I guess. Uh, or if you're Brendan, it's concerning no, it's, it's and, and something to it's lament. Depressing. Yeah, because they're getting older. <laughs> but at least for. Just for the first five minutes here, uh, why don't we gush about these two guys just because it's their birthday and we're heading into another year where uh, hopefully they are leading the charge for the Chicago Cubs. But it is tough to say enough really about these two guys. As I was tweeting out stuff uh, for Brian's birthday on, on Friday and just reading through stuff, you know, you're really reminded how good he is, uh, and I think surprisingly how many in the Cubs fan base, or at least in the Major League Baseball fan base, I think still somehow underrate this man in terms of his performance. And of course, he's coming off a year where he had a shoulder injury that bothered him for the majority of the year. He was also hit in the face uh, by a like 97 mile an hour fastball early in the year. Didn't uh, he almost hurt his ankle too? I, I remember he stepped on a base funny. Maybe that was 2017 that I'm remembering this, or maybe I'm just imagining this. Uh, either way, it's a very Brendan thing to remember. Uh, yeah, you probably <laughs> I'm pretty like, sure had, that happened. He has a memory of every time any players come even close to hurting themselves. Oh, I do. But, For Javi, it's every other week. <laughs> yeah, well, that's true, but. <laughs> I, you know, it, it, the one thing I always like to point out, and, and this is including a injured and down year in 2018, uh, but Brendan, there are three people, three hitters in all of Major League Baseball since 2015 that have more wins above replacement than Chris Bryant. Those players are Jose Altuve, Mookie mm. Betts, and Mike Trout. That's it. So folks. all MVPs. All MVPs, including All MVPs. Chris Bryant. Yep. So, again, like, last year was frustrating. I'm sure it was very frustrating for Chris. But it's it seems all too easy for more people than I would have expected to just forget, I guess, that this is literally one of the best players in baseball. There's no hyperbole there. 
you could put him in the top five, top ten, wherever you want him. He's there. Uh, Chris Bryant is one of the best players in baseball. And one of the most versatile players as well. I, I mean, we can go into an hour discussing about this, but it would not surprise any of us if Chris becomes, let's say, like a full-time right fielder. If he goes to left field, he can play center field. I mean, honestly, if he played shortstop one day, I wouldn't even flinch. I feel as if he could do it as well. So not only is he one of the best offensive players, but he can quite literally play probably every position, Corey. Right. And I think he'd also be in the top five if you were ranking just who is the most gorgeous person in Major League Baseball. He has number um, one I, eyes I, for I sure. think he'd definitely be, be in that mix. And, you know, you're talking about his defense, Brendan. Uh, you know, one one thing that always stand, comes to mind is, I, I don't know if you remember this, Brendan, you probably do. Of course. But uh, he makes a, a really good play in uh, Game 7 of the World Series in 2016, coming in on a ball, uh, throws it to Rizzo, and it actually is the play that the Cubs win the World Series on. That's the one that they win the World Series, right? Some people forget that. Yeah, I think they won the World Series in that play, yep. Yeah, but... Anyway, uh, like you said, I think we could we could go on for Chris Bryant for a while, but uh, we do wish him a happy birthday. And uh, again, I, I all the reports that we have gotten, I know that Evan Altman from Cubs Insider has spoken to his dad, Mike, who's probably in the cage with him right now on <laughs> on uh, on this Monday afternoon. But I, I, you know, all the reports are that his shoulder is a non-issue anymore, uh, that, you know, he's passed any, it didn't seem like the stuff with getting hit in the head lasted very long, but you never know, you know, from a personal standpoint, how that's affecting someone. Uh, but for all intents and purposes, it sounds like Chris is ready to go and he's ready to be back to his normal self in 2019, which, uh, cannot, I don't think be undersold how important that is because hopefully the Cubs are getting back literally MVP level production uh, into their lineup and and that clubhouse. So uh, certainly look forward to that. Now, if we can turn our attention for a moment, if you'll allow it, Brendan, uh, to John Lester. John Lester, uh, where do we even begin, Brendan? I I, I think that uh, the, the easiest way for me to do this again, and I think I've done this before, but is always just to go back to when he was signed and the fact that he is constantly worth the money that he gets paid. And just how I think that in the in the initial timing of, of his signing with the Cubs, I think the presumption was, and it's similar to this for someone like Ben Zobrist, you know, that the early portion would be good and, you know, maybe the back end would be not so great, but, you know, you're paying for that early portion, you need the veteran in there, yada, yada. And that's really not what we've seen. John Lester has been really good for the duration of his contract. And even just at the end of last year, he gives you a great start in that wildcard game against Colorado. This guy has been lights out in the postseason for the Cubs. And... I, I look forward to 2019, him doing it again. Yeah, and I think that goes under notice, too. Even you just mentioning his performance in the wildcard game, I forgot about it, probably because I was so distraught from that game. But every single elimination game that the Cubs have had, for the most part, Lester has been, I think, in it, unless my memory serves me incorrect, other than that 2015 wildcard game. I mean, this guy's a legend, Corey. We, we always talk about this, but I think the Cubs have to retire his number, right? I mean, how, how can you not? I know he has the same number as Kerry Wood, but I, I don't know. I love, I love Kerry, don't get me wrong, and maybe one day you can retire both their numbers, similar to, to Fergie and Maddox, but I'm putting you on a spot here. But if you had a pick who should be retired, I think you got to give the upper hand to, to Lester. What the guy's done in the postseason is absurd. You know? So now I, I do. I, I'm curious because I, I think if you go back in the audio logs of this podcast, we've the done first this before, time I said this. You kind of were like, "Whoa, like I, hot well, take there." But now you seem to be with me on this. Well, okay. You know, people evolve, opinions <laughs> evolve, and you look at the body of work, man. And nothing. Look, nothing against Kerry Wood. Anytime you compare legends in my mind it's hard not to diss the other player but I don't know I think 
when we look back on this era, this this golden era, if you will, Lester is kind of the transformative player to, to make everything happen. He was the first really big signing for Theo, and he's been more than the value of his contract. I mean, he's been paid, what, $25 million a year? You look on fan graphs, every year he's worth more than that. Theo mentioned that he was signing someone who hopefully would become someone like Andy Pettit, and he's done exactly that, Corey. But come on, Game 7 of the World Series, he comes in after warming up in the bullpen for two innings, lights out performance. He came in again in 2017 in that elimination game against the Nationals. What did he do? Of course, pitched extremely well once again, cleaning up for Kyle Hendricks. I don't know. Like, I've never, I've had issues with trusting pitchers my entire life. I don't have that issue with John Lester. Yeah, I think the 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 number debate with Kerry Wood is an interesting one, and I, I think I, I take some solace in the fact that at least Kerry's always going to have a flag fly in that stadium as it relates to his twenty strikeout performance, um, and obviously he was a part of teams that. Uh, you know, won the division and, and, and made the playoffs and whatnot. But it's, it, it I, I think it would be difficult not to defer that number to John at this point. I, I said this the first time we brought this up, that I wish they had separate numbers. I think comparing the two is really almost criminal, and it it's painful to do. But I, I don't know how you... I don't know how you wouldn't. Um, it's like and, the same know, thing with like the Fergie Jenkins acquisition. Of course, you know you and I are too young for this, but Fergie was acquired outside the organization, and he was one of the best players in Cubs history to be, to be acquired outside the organization. And you know, you have Maddox, you have Fergie, you retired both of them. I, I, I see no issue doing the same if the Cubs do one day eventually want to retire you know, Kerry Wood's number. I don't think that's that's going to take away from retiring someone like John's, you know? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think if they can figure out a way to honor them both, but especially, you know, you've got two years left. I think especially if the Cubs can win another championship with John in the fold, you know, you have to, any any anything you'd look at would presume that he would be a big part of that as he's a, a postseason legend at this point not just for the Cubs, but in all of baseball. Absolutely. I, that, that would certainly cement it. But I, I think even now with, with what he ha, what he meant to the team in terms of flipping that script into, okay, we're competing now, you know, it's full steam ahead, the, the, the rebuild portion of this is over, it's go time. I, I think the poster boy for that is John Lester, and he's done nothing but live up to that contract. So... I, much like Bryant, we could probably go on on this uh, forever, but we'll leave it at that, I suppose. And I look forward to what he's got. You know, I think he's one of those guys who I am. I'm always curious to watch as he gets older because he's one of those guys who, as his stuff diminishes, I trust him to figure it out, and I trust him to figure out a way to still get outs and to be productive. And I think that a lot, you know, part of that goes back to last year where, uh, you know, a lot of people were looking at his FIP, his fielding independent pitching, being a good bit higher than his ERA for a while and kind of waiting for that regression and some of those bad starts. And he did have more bad starts as the season went on, certainly than he did in the beginning of the season. But there was also a portion, I think you and I discussed this, where he was pitching to a lot of contact, and I certainly don't think that that was an accident. And, and he did I, say that, Corey, too. Yeah. There was one, There was I think it was after one of his starts, and he was getting kind of shelled after the All-Star break, if my memory serves correct. And he said, like, yeah, like I'm basically pitching to contact because I trust my defense so much. And that was, that was a point we were making. So that's where I think there's a limitation of FIP, which is a different discussion, but... What John has done in terms of purely run prevention, preventing runs, guys, has been absurd. It's been more than my imagination when the Cubs even signed the guy. Yeah, and I also am looking forward to he he keeps getting better as a hitter as we go on. He's so going to hit two I, homers. I, I, I do he's think do I, I do think he's somebody to watch uh, for that. I don't know if he'll be winning a silver slugger anytime soon. I don't know if he's got the average for it and. 
you know, I'd be the first to admit, he doesn't exactly bust it down the line when uh, he's got a chance to maybe sneak a hit or two. But I think he can definitely pop a few. And I, please I don't hustle down the line. I don't want no, to see I don't John. Want him to, but no, I'm not saying you do. Like I would, personally, yeah. if I see John doing that, I'm having a heart attack. I'm, I'll, I don't think I'm I. Yeah, I, I don't. <laughs> I don't think we have to worry about that. I, I don't think that's going to be happening anytime soon. But anyway, a happy birthday to a happy 27th birthday to Chris Bryant. A happy 35th birthday to John Lester. Some point down the road, uh, if you're not doing it already, we will look back at those guys as two of the pillars of this era of Cubs baseball. So it is uh, always fun to be able to pause, step back, and and appreciate what they've done and what they've been doing uh, for the Cubs as we sit here. But uh, we do have some actual baseball stuff, I suppose, to talk about. And the first of which is that the Cubs have their new bench coach, Brendan. And to the disappointment of those of uh, those Cubs fans that were hoping for David Ross to jump back into the fold, uh, or if you were someone hoping for someone like Mark DeRosa, etc., it is Mark Loretta. You may remember him from the San Diego Padres, the LA Dodgers, the Boston Red Sox, the Houston Astros. He played for all of them. And for the last nine years, he has been a uh, special assistant to the San Diego Padres front office. I can't really say much uh, about the move because he hasn't been coaching necessarily, um, and though I did video work for the Arizona, uh, the Arizona League Padres, uh, what, seven years ago? You're getting uh, old, I man. You don't have you're getting old. Yeah, I don't have any insight <laughs> on Mark Loretta's role in anything. But what I did see, and, you know, technically they're not necessarily inclined to do otherwise, but I did see some people, such as Len Casper, uh, Darnell McDonald, amongst others, mentioning that they've known Loretta for a long time. They were excited to see him land this role, uh, and they think he's a very good candidate for this, a smart guy and someone that they are glad to see getting a role in the Cubs organization. So, you know, you kind of have to take it for what it's worth, but, uh, you know, they he, he did meet with Joe. Everything seems to be all good there. Uh, and this is a guy, you know, we kind of talked about the Tommy Hadovy addition as the pitching coach, you know, in, in terms of bringing in a young guy and uh, maybe kind of trying to be a little more progressive in the thinking and not necessarily hiring guys that have been around forever. And Loretta doesn't have all that coaching experience, but, you know, this is a guy who's a, a, a a pretty decorated major league veteran. And I think one that maybe a little bit of contrast to Hadavi, I think just has that experience and will command that kind of veteran respect in the dugout. Um, you know, this is a guy who had a long, successful major league playing career. And I think it's always good to get, you know, for all the reasons that we like David Ross and, and you know, what he was bringing to the dugout, I you know, would is, would think that Mark Loretta can bring a lot of those things. And he's always been a stable player throughout his entire career. I mean, just looking at his numbers, he's almost a career 300 hitter, uh, always has been mostly above league average every year. But again, it kind of goes back towards the, the age of this coaching staff. And Corey, you alluded to it with Hadavi, who is 37 years old. We know Anthony Iaposis in his uh, low 40s. It's a young staff, and Loretta's going to be, I think he's already 47 years old. So I, I like it. I, I don't have much to offer it because I don't think really any of us know who Loretta is as a coach because he's never been a coach outside managing, I think, the 2013 Israeli team in the World Baseball Classic. So he's been in the front office ever since he's been retired as a player for the most part. So I'm excited. I think ultimately it's going to be a really curious process how this coaching staff works together and plays out. We know Theo has been addressing getting more of the coaches, specifically even Joe Madden, involved directly with the guys on the field. Uh, so I don't know if that means even extending tours to Mark Loretta, working directly with the guys a little bit more closely than say, Brandon Hyde did in the past or, or Dave Martinez. Who knows? It will be a curious process. 
I I like it because his reputation is very well received around the league and of course like you said with Len Casper being happy about it it sounds as if he's a good guy so yeah it's going to be a curious process I'm not going to be like oh I'm super excited about this but I think it makes sense you're going with a younger coach again that's something the Cubs want to do and just to come full circle here you look at the first base coach with with, uh, Will Venable they were, I think, former teammates with the Padres, if my memory serves correct. If not, they just missed each other by a year or two. So a very young coaching staff, and I'm excited to see how they how they work with a very young team. Yeah, and hopefully that's it for the coaching staff. Yeah, uh, yeah we, we've said <laughs> that know. before. So uh, hopefully nobody else is, is taking any jobs in the near future and that coaching staff can kind of get to work, get their get their philosophies lined up and, and their strategies as we uh, are, I, I believe, under 40 days until pitchers and catchers report uh, in Mesa. So we are getting close to where this Isn't actually has to happen. We're a month away. It is like, crazy is because this offseason, in terms of the free agent market, seems to be worse than last year, which yeah. is <laughs> shocking, to say the least. I, mean, I think I said this on the last done. one. Yeah, but the MLB has to yeah, has to change be this because it you know not only do you not see stuff happening, and I I think in both these last couple of off seasons you've had I think pretty spirited debates as to whether uh, you know the, the the philosophies from ownership and how it related to the collective bargaining agreements and and the players association. You know, and, and when you see things dragging on like this and you hear that there's, you know, what, like four teams involved on either Machado and Harper, yeah. you know, something is is not great in the league. I think when you have guys of the, that talent level, you'd like everybody to be in a position to where more teams are interested in their services. Uh, but also, this is just terrible for the fans. And there's really no reason that it needs to go this long. But you know, every other day you've got somebody else claiming that they have sources. I mean, who was it? Uh, Bob Nightingale the other day is sourcing Bryce Harper's friends saying that they think he would prefer to go to LA if everything was equal. That's where we've gotten, folks, that Bob (laughs) Nightingale is talking to, quote, friends of Bryce Harper as to where maybe he would like to play. That's that's where we've gotten. And what happens when it takes over three months for anything to happen with these guys. So the MLB's got to do something to put a, a time limit on this to just speed this up. Because at this point, it's 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 pretty ridiculous at, at this point. But yeah. we did get Theo Epstein on 670 The Score on Saturday afternoon with Bruce Levine and Matt Spiegel. And... Now, Brendan, I will I will tell you straight up. I am not one of those people who takes everything that someone like Theo says in an interview like this at face value. I know better than that, right? He is under no obligation to tell us anything. He doesn't have to be straightforward about anything. But I, I'm listening to this interview, and it's at times hard to wrap my head around. Or it's just, I, I feel like he's kind of speaking in, in multiple directions at once. What do you mean by that? I am just hearing some of the quotes. So I'll, I'll read some of the quotes, uh, and and this is the first one from, from Epstein on, on Saturday afternoon. Quote, I don't think anyone in the organization is super proud of the totality of the work the last two years. That's not where we want to be. We want to make sure we're putting our absolute best foot forward. You only get one crack at this, and it's not easy, but it's a special opportunity, and we all need to put our absolute best foot forward, including myself, including everyone in the organization. So when I read a quote like that, Brendan, my initial reaction is, okay, so go spend money and get better players, right? I mean, I think a lot of people interpret it that way as well. Yeah, and he he also says later in the interview, quote, there are very few things in baseball you can count on. You can never count on a young player's improvement. Nothing is promised, nothing is given. It has to be earned and it has to be worked for and there has to be support along the way. So again, I I hear that and I think, okay, so don't do that and go sign better players that you don't have to worry about them improving or, you know, changing their production level. But then kind of in the same interview, he leads on that, 
you know, I wouldn't necessarily count on a on a big time splash and that the majority of the improvement needs to be internal. So do you see kind of where I'm at least yeah, a little bit confused? I get it. And he that's almost like a microcosm of this entire offseason, right? Because he let off the offseason saying, you know, talent, not product or production, not talent, right? And we've always referenced that throughout this offseason. And yeah, it's weird because he leads off saying, hey, the last two years, specifically 2018, was not how we intended the season to finish. And we're going to make some some changes here. But then he follows up with saying, well, maybe we need to, to have more depth and keep this depth and, and grow internally, which to be fair and to their credit, they've, they've done that at this offseason. They've been more vocal about getting the coaches involved like we just talked about they got a new coaching staff they fired the hitting coach they fired the pitching coach so to their credit they're trying to do that but yeah Corey, i'm with you and people are going to interpret this differently but it's odd to me how you can reference dissatisfaction with the team you can quote that you're not counting on improvements not saying that's not possible that's very different but relying on improvements from your young guys is not realistic to me that sounds like okay well if that's the case then you have to seek players outside the organization to make it happen and to follow that up with saying oh well we're not you know it's not likely or we're maybe not going to make a big splash it's very weird to me. Yeah, so just to read some more of his exact quotes, because I, I obviously you can listen to the the full interview on 670thescore.com. I, I, I don't want to just read through the entire transcript, but I, I also don't want to just be paraphrasing. I'd like you guys to actually hear what Theo said rather than me just trying to interpret it. So Yeah, and the tone uh, is important is, too as well. Yeah, yeah. So, but, but this is a longer block, but I'll read it just to kind of sum up what he's saying here. And he says, quote, look, I mean, you just have to take an honest look at the point you're at. And when you have a lot of guys coming off good years, you tend to have more flexibility with trades that you can make and moving salaries or moving young players at a point when their value is high. When you have some critical players, Chris Bryant, that that's my addition, uh, players coming <laughs> off down years, that's not a time when there is a tremendous amount of flexibility if you don't have a lot of buffer with your payroll. You can talk about reshuffling, and there's certainly a lot of deals we've conceived of that move some money and bring back some money, but there's off-seasons when you're set up to be really active and off-seasons where you've got to work really hard to make even the smallest pieces fit. And right now, we're working hard to try to make some improvements, but again, I'm just being honest with you guys, I think the majority of the improvements are going are going to come from having really talented players play up to their level. So what was it? Uh, you know, two seconds ago, I just read a quote from him saying, you can't always expect that and you shouldn't always. So I was a little confused listening to this interview. But I, I do I, I do also understand where he's coming from, because again, as sure. we've discussed, like, this is a team that won 95 games. And as Theo admits at, at the beginning of these quotes, you know, that they're not necessarily super thrilled with just winning 95 games or making the playoffs and losing in the first round or losing into, to the Dodgers in the NLCS in 2017. But we're still talking about a team that's very competitive. And again, I think you're being intellectually dishonest if you suggest that this team even as constructed right now is not as good or better than both the cardinals and brewers and it's not a stretch to think that they just win this division again is that good enough no brendan and i have talked about that many times that that should never be good enough for a team with the money that the cubs have the market that they have and the talent that they put together they should always just be going for the kill right mm -hmm. no yeah. questions about it so i under but it's all to say i understand where theo's coming from and and he does kind of admit here again you know you you kind of have to take all of this for what it's worth he's giving a radio interview in the middle of an off season where two of the top three agents are still unsigned right so and i don't by think the he's way his phone is buzzing like crazy during yeah. the interview too with text messages right. apparently <laughs> so he's not he's not going to tip his hand necessarily but he does kind of admit like look we have talked to people about moving money. We have conceived of deals that move money, that get us back money. We have, we are trying and we have tried to do this. 
And he admits, you know, sometimes you, you just don't have the flexibility. If you can't make that stuff happen, there there is a finite amount of stuff you can do. But it is hard for me, I guess, Brendan, and especially taking all this stuff and especially the end of the season press conference where he's really like kind of railing against the offense. It's it's hard for me to reconcile it all together into saying, okay, so Daniel Descalso was the answer to all of this. I'm I'm a little con- I'm I'm going to remain a little confused. Theo has no obligation whatsoever to relay more information than 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 is necessary. To me, how I interpret this entire thing and. We can pinpoint quotes that seem contradictory, which, you know, is what we're doing, and it's fair. But at the same time, looking at this from just a global perspective, I guess, if you will, the takeaway for me is, one, Theo is actively trying to make the team better, not surprisingly, but doing so by maybe trying to shed away some contracts. Like you just said that right there. Like, yes, we have talked about moving different pieces around. Wink, wink, money, wink, wink, Hayward, right? Right. So that makes sense. And I think that kind of confers a lot of different reports that suggested that was the case. So that seems to be an accurate effort that that Theo and the front office are trying to accomplish. Now, the benefit of doing that, of course, leads down the road to Bryce Harper or maybe even Manny Machado. Who knows? One of the other quotes that Theo gave, uh, I'm, I'm going to paraphrase it here because I don't have it in front of me. Maybe I can find it. But to paraphrase what Theo said was, as the offseason goes along, the value for these guys are a little bit more easier to or rather the the contracts for these guys are a little bit easier to give out because their value is a little bit more than the price because, of course, their market is shrinking. I mean, spring training is a month away. So kind of what happened with Darvish in 2018, you know, it fell right into their lap. They basically got a guy who in previous seasons would have gone for $26 million per year. They got Darvish for $21 million a year. That's a huge discount. So that's my interpretation. Again, we are a month away from spring training. And personally, I'm from Arizona. If you guys are thinking about going to spring training, just do it. Honestly, do it. It's a lifetime experience. I go back to Arizona every spring. I have family from Chicago. Meet me out there. I have family still in Arizona. It, it's it's an amazing time. It's a one-of-a-kind experience. And all these stadiums, you have 10 stadiums in Arizona they're all within like 50 miles. Most of them are within even like a 15-mile radius. The weather is amazing. The new Cubs Park, Sloan Park, is incredible. You can get there around 10, 10.30, go to the backfields. Over the years, guys like Javi, Chris Bryant, quite literally, guys, 10 feet away from me. It's like going to a Little League park and watching these guys at batting practice. It's insane. Plus, around Arizona, that time of year, beautiful. You want to go for hikes? You got... Tempe right there. You have Pinnacle Peak if you want to go further up north. You got the boulders. Beautiful. And there's breweries around. You have Four Peaks. You have Angel's Trumpet Ale House. There are new Chicago restaurants there. You have Lou Malnati's. You have Chicago Hamburger Company. Of course, you have Portillo's. And finally, it's family friendly. So plan your spring training getaway at visitarizona.com slash spring training. That's Visit Arizona.com slash spring training. Do it. It's a lifetime experience. You'll never forget it. Again, I go back every single spring. You got to do it. But, Corey, just to wrap up my final point with that value comment, that's where I'm leading down from interpreting this entire interview is he's keeping, and by he, Theo, he's keeping all options on the table. And if that makes you confident about Bryce Harper, so be it. At the very least, you know he's considering the option, even if it's not likely. Yeah, I 
I don't know. I I really just want this off season to end because I just <laughs> I, I just want to know what they do and I'm ready to watch baseball. What do you again. think I'm, they're going to do? I mean, we're like we're a month away. I don't away. know, but like but, what can, so what can the they thing. do? And and I, the 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 only thing that really concerned me if they don't get Bryce Harper, if they don't get Manny Machado, fine. I, I don't I don't know that I was ever in that you know. Bryce or bust. Camp. But the I'd alternative like is nothing, though. Like, like there's right. well, not well, another mid-tier free agent that sure. makes complete sense. But I'm just saying, like, if they don't, you know, we we just heard a report uh, over the weekend, you know, that the Nationals are still very heavily involved in this. Uh, that their owner might have been the one, you know, maybe doing that secret meeting in Las Vegas. They met with <laughs> Bryce again, and you know that they're pushing a huge offer, right? Sure. And which, by the way, in my opinion, is probably best case scenario. Uh, him going to an AL team would be better, but just anything that keeps him away from the Dodgers, in my opinion, is that would be a disaster. Better. If he goes to LA, that that would be a disaster. Yeah, like Washington, the Cubs already beat Washington with Bryce Harper. Like, sure, they have Patrick Corbin now, but who cares, right? Yeah. Like, fine, yeah. they, they, the Nationals can keep being the Nationals. That that the NL East is going to be a very tough division. We will let them fight it out with the Braves and Phillies and the Cubs in the playoffs might have to deal with one of them, right? Like whatever, but just anything that prevents the Dodgers from just, you know, doing their best to become, uh, you know, a super team as, as they continue to try to avoid losing the World Series every year. But if they don't get Harper, the, the, the fine, right? Sometimes it happens. If the Nationals are willing to offer him 10 years, $350 million, and the Cubs say, you know what, we just don't feel like doing that, fine. Like, that's fine. But the thing that concerns me in reading these quotes, and again, just looking at where they are in this entire offseason, Brendan, the Cubs need a backup catcher. They need a good backup catcher. And right now, they've only lost guys out of that bullpen. They need to strengthen that bullpen. I don't necessarily want them playing in the Craig Kimbrell pool. I think that's crazy, right? He's asking for an insane contract and you shouldn't be giving that to relievers, right? I didn't really want them in on Andrew Miller either, but still you're looking at areas like, okay, fine, Theo, like I understand, right? Sometimes you, like he just said, sometimes you've got smaller puzzle pieces. You need to make them fit. But there, there are ways this team has to improve. I think you and I, more than most, have been at least understanding of, I, I get it, like the, the, the offense has a lot of talent. If Chris Bryant comes back and is healthy, like th- this, this offense, especially hopefully getting away from playing chili ball and letting these guys just slug again, they I, hopefully they're not scoring one or zero runs 30 plus times again, right? But... Daniel Descalso is not anything. They they need to improve this team somehow. And again, I still think right now as constructed, they could go in and win this division. I don't even think it's a stretch. I I think that the, the stretch is suggesting that this team is on the outside of the playoffs to me. But to not improve at all it's just crazy, Brendan, and I and I and I wouldn't be able to let them get away with it. I, I know again. I, I think there's you can simultaneously agree that this team is good and competing for the playoffs, while also thinking it is a massive mistake to not get better. The division is good. The Cardinals have closed the gap. I don't think the Brewers are going to be as good as they were last year, but they just won 96 games, so you you can't write them off completely, right? Right, and. For this Cubs team to not say to themselves, we are going to do everything in our power to make sure that when 2019 starts, we are the best team in this division is just a mistake. And they might get away with it. I hope they do. I think they could. But it's hard for me to not think that that's just a mistake. I don't know why you would allow things to be this close, like to allow the margin for error to be so small, which I think is what you're doing right now. I feel as if... Right now, and again, like the majority of the free agent pool is still not signed. So, you know, we're, we're still at the end of the day, unfortunately, either 
critiquing or praising an offseason that's not even close to finish. Like you said, Theo's phone was going off a thousand (laughs) times in that interview. Like they could be making deals in five minutes. So, you know, taking all this with that in mind, but that's the only thing. If they don't want to get Bryce Harper or Manny Machado, fine. It, it, I'll get over it, right? Like, I can understand it. I've I've read enough. I understand why that may not happen. But you, you got to improve the team. I, I just won't be able to reconcile what Theo said about this team at the end of the 2018 season at his press conference and this team getting Daniel Descalso. It's just, it's not enough. Yeah, and I think if you look at the current market right now for backup catchers, and even relievers, it's it's still pretty saturated. So just to give you a few examples, I could see the Cubs going out and getting Rene Rivera back if they want to. He's a free agent. I could see them go out and get Stephen Vogt, who was with the Athletics and the Brewers for the past four or five years. Martin Maldonado is still available. Nick Hunley is still available, who was with the Rockies for a good portion of his uh, most recent years. AJ Ellis is available. Drew Butera is available. So any, to be honest with you, any one of those guys, I'm cool with. And not to knock Caratini, but I, I do feel as if partially why Wilson was not able to grow offensively, and this is just a wild assumption, but still my assumption, is because he had to play almost every day, and he didn't have any backup uh, uh, confident catcher behind him to, to take the role. So I... To me, that's one of my biggest priorities is to get that backup catcher that can, one, bring a different perspective to the Cubs as a coaching unit. Like having a backup catcher like a David Ross would be incredibly valuable for a young catcher like Wilson, who rated at the lowest of the lows defensively last year. Even with that monstrous arm, he was still one of the worst, by some metrics, catchers in the league defensively. And I hate saying that, but that's just what some of the data suggests. So that's one of my my main priorities. If yeah, if you don't go out and get Harper, you don't get Manny Machado, so be it. Just shore up some of those young yes. guys in case they don't develop once again and give them a little bit more of a breather. I think Wilson does need that. In terms of the reliever market, I'm not gonna go into detail with that, but guys, there's I'm looking at it right now, there's like forty relievers on the market. I would say twenty percent of them are attractive options for the bullpen if they do want to go that option so it comes back to me trying to move money trying to move pieces around and trying to get rid of Hayward's contract like yeah that's what I'm taking away from if anything one specific example is Hayward's contract from Theo's press conferences from his interviews I think that's a priority right now if they can't do that I'm not going to be shocked when they switch the gears and just go out get that backup catcher get a few more arms for that bullpen, maybe go out and sign another outfielder. I hate seeing this. I hate that I'm even mentioning this. Why am I doing this? But John Jay is out there as a free agent. Can can you believe I'm doing this? Can you believe I'm doing this? But, I mean, going a step further, Denard Spann's a free agent. Chris Young's a free agent. AJ Pollock is a free agent. Carlos Gomez, God forbid, please don't sign Carlos oh, Gomez. Oh man, Brandon, I'm just, I'm, Brandon, Brandon, you know Carlos what? Gomez. Just cut, just, just cut my mic right now. What am I doing? This is what I get Yeesh. for reading names without preparing for this. But that's that's the point I'm making is the free agent pool is so saturated right now, and I think it's fair to assume that Harper and Machado are stalling it. And until one of those guys signs, or until Hayward or one of those bigger, soon-to-be young players get more money is off the team, I don't think you're going to see any of those small moves made, Corey. Again, I'm just I'm just tired of this. <laughs> I just want to watch baseball, man. These last couple off-seasons have been just the opposite of, of fun, uh, especially, you know, and it kind, of, it kind of does go full circle back to like the John Lester offseason or the Ben Zobris, Jason Hayward offseason. Um, that was fun. Yeah, and, and yeah. you know, I think those were both December moves, if I'm thinking correctly. Yeah. Uh, and, I think you Star Lancaster was traded, I want to say, like before the winter meetings too, but my memory Yeah, it's just like that was that early time. on, and you, yeah. you know, you got like kind of these big like, you know, kind of drastic changes to things. And yeah. again, it's it's fine if they don't want to do that, but you've got to fill in some of these cracks, 
right? Because there yeah. were just areas of this team that were not good enough. And, you know, you look especially at the bullpen right now, like, I don't, I, you know, I don't think it's the biggest disaster in the world. Uh, but, you know, you lose someone like Jesse Chavez, who gave you a ton of big time innings. He was the innings. best reliever in the second yeah, half of he, baseball. he gave you a ton of big time innings <laughs> in yeah. the second half. And we've talked that, you know, the decision to not bring him back as he's in his mid to late 30s on a two-year deal is is okay. But you have to re- somebody's got to replace those innings. You know, Justin Wilson was one of the bigger headaches, I think I can remember, during this period of Cubs baseball, but he was pretty good last year and and was a useful guy for for most of the year. He's not back. Um, Brandon Morrow is not going to be ready by opening day. Who even knows what you're going to get out of him at this point? And, you know, you're going to have guys, of course, like the anchor that he is, Pedro Strope, back in this bullpen, but how much of a role are you going to ask him to play? How much are you expecting him to do? Is he going to be your closer to start the season? Is he your closer if Morrow never really gets it going or if you have to be, you know, really careful and, and monitor his innings a lot? And, you know, you look at guys like Carl Edwards, and if they're not going to bring in big names, they're, they're not going to be in, like, that Craig Kimball market. Uh, and, There's you know, no maybe way. they check in on someone like Adovino or, or guys like that. But absent bringing in some of those guys who you're super confident just plugging into the back end of that bullpen, you know, this is one of those years where it might turn to Carl Edwards and be like, look, dude, like, it's put up or shut up time for you. You know, you either need to turn into that big time reliever that we don't have to worry about putting on the mound, or we're going to treat you like that guy for the rest of your career here. I, I think eventually you kind of have to pick a lane with what you think he's capable of and, and the role you're actually expecting him to play. Because I think we've gone into the last couple seasons now with him really expecting him to lock down one of those back end of the bullpen spot and be that high leverage guy because when he's on he's one of the best relievers in the league he gets a, a whiff rate that matches some of the best guys in the league yeah but these last couple of years we've reached a point in every season right Brendan where mm-hmm. you have those games where he throws one pitch and you and I are messaging each other going Joe you know yeah. Joe come on Joe like you gotta get you gotta go get him now and he's so, been injured too he had yeah. shoulder fatigue which guys it depressed his velocity for the yeah. entire second half so that's a concern for me as well in addition to just his development outside of injuries if he doesn't continue to have any right so again it's all sort of to say and, and we kind of ended up talking about the bullpen here because if you're not going to put Bryce Harper in right field and and really kind of make that big splash that really transforms the look of this offense okay i i don't i don't necessarily agree with it and i think especially if we're talking about money not luxury tax money as theo alluded that that's not really the problem but just money in general whoever's making that call i think that's a mistake and i think that that's not good business when you're making as much money as as the cubs do but okay right i can understand the reasons for it that being said, you have to fill some of these cracks here because, uh, again, like you said, like I like Victor Caratini. I, I think he he had some good moments last year. Uh, I think he filled in admirably at times. He played some first base when the Cubs needed him to and played it pretty well. Uh, but I don't think he's the backup catcher on a championship-level team. Yeah, And I, I think, I like you said, I, I think that that position not being stronger— affects Wilson Contreras in a negative way. He caught more innings than any catcher in the league, and I think it showed. And it's the same with the bullpen. Like, I, you don't have to go out and sign these overpriced guys. We're dealing with right now why that's not necessarily the best move in Brandon Morrow, but the team should improve somewhere, right? Like, it's you, you got to see some improvement or at least shoring areas up so that we can all say, like, yeah, look, I, I believe that Chris Bryant is going to be back to his MVP form. I thought Kyle Schwarber had a nice season and will continue to improve. You and I both like Ian Happ. Uh, I don't necessarily want Albert Almora starting every game like some other people in the fan base, but he's a good player, and I think he can get better. Sure, sure. But I, I'm all fine believing that, but you know, you got to shore up some areas of this team. I think, and it, and I guess that's the scary thing is that I understand that there's so many players out there. The market is still very full, uh, but 
you know, they show up in spring training in like less than 40 days. They play a spring training game against the Brewers on February yeah. 23rd. <laughs> Like, that's soon, guys. And and right now, I think if you went in with this team, I think you'd have a lot of questions to ask about what they're expecting out of their bullpen, what they're expecting to be different about their catching situation than it was last year. And to sort of go back at Theo's own words, I think Wilson Contreras is one of those players where, you know, he says during the, the course of this interview, you know, some guys are going to have down years and then, you know, come back. Some guys are going to have great years and regress a little bit. And I would just ask, what are you reasonably expecting out of Wilson? You know, are you going to cut his his role as into in terms of how many games he's starting? And what are you expecting out of Caratini then, if that's what you're asking him to do? So I, I have some questions. It's It's been a very strange offseason. And an interview like Theo gave on Saturday, to me, only makes things a little more confusing. I, I I take him kind of a little bit on the surface, like, all right, like maybe everybody should temper their expectations about Bryce Harper or some major splash, uh, unless he's just been doing a really good job of playing coy for like three months now. But I, you know, still want to reconcile some of this stuff and I'm still kind of trying to figure out exactly I, I understand what they're saying, but I kind of want to hear more specifically like, okay, yeah, you're expecting certain guys to be better. You're expecting the internal improvements, but who who, who is that? And then what, what are you basing those expectations on? And I, and I guess we'll have to wait for those answers. And I, I would be shocked if the Cubs go into 2019 without those improvements. If they go in again with Caratini as the backup, I will be floored. And even if they go in the season without adding – you know, two arms, I would be surprised as well. There's too many guys on the market right now who, unfortunately, their value is suppressed because of this crazy modern-day market. So I think the Cubs can take advantage of that. So a lot of the concerns about the backup catcher, which I have, I share with you, a lot of the concerns about the bullpen, which I, of course, share with you, I, I... I think those will be addressed, and I would be shocked if they are not addressed. The The issue right now is you have this stagnant off-season market for the second straight year because you have these unorthodox free agents. You had Shohei Otani last year. You had that suppressed you Darvish's market. Now you have Machado and Harper, two generational future Hall of Famers in the market at 26 years old. This has never happened. So until those guys move... I'm not expecting any moves, but at the very least, if the Cubs do not get those two guys, I am going to be shocked if Caratini is your backup catcher and Carl Edwards Jr. is your guy on the depth chart getting 7th and 8th innings. I will be surprised about that. I don't think that's going to happen, Corey. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you there. So uh, we'll we'll keep monitoring this. I, ha- I hate that this is kind of how these shows have been to a degree the last two years, Uh in terms of the offseason, I really wish that we had more to talk about uh, rather than kind of trying to parse through the president of baseball operations words on, on the radio, which I feel like we were probably doing last year, too. So uh, but yeah, but that's just that's just how it is. So, uh, you know, that's that's what we'll keep doing. But I, I think the only other thing that uh, wanted to touch on just a little bit is all this talk about the Cubs regional sports network and I think Brendan and I would both admit that we're not necessarily experts on this. And a lot of this is still conjecture, rumors, and, you know, trying to piece all this together. Uh, But the sound of it, the one thing we know for sure is that the Cubs are not going to go with some of the other Chicago sports teams and stay with NBC Chicago. And they are going to have their own thing. Uh, I believe by 2020 is when this is supposed to happen. But exactly what is unclear is who is going to be the network that they're partnering with. The rumor is Sinclair, uh, the news organization, and what it will mean for your viewing uh, as a Cubs fan, I think especially in the Chicago area and those areas near the Chicago area that sometimes experience those blackouts, whether you're living in Chicago or not, for people like Brendan and I who currently reside in Los Angeles, uh, it's not really much of a problem. You buy the MLB TV package and 
don't really worry about it uh, unless they're in LA when you can't watch the games because the Dodgers have their own regional sports network that half the cable companies here just don't have. Uh, so I think that's the concern with a lot of people. And the rumor that we were hearing, I think right now is that adding this network will add about a $6 increase to the package fee. So basically you'd have to buy a cable package that includes, uh, I think it's going to be called marquee, the Cubs network. I, I think that's cause that's like one of the names of one of the companies under, the Ricketts or something like that. but I'd, I kind of like it, though, to be honest with you. I kind of don't. Unfortunately, really? it's hard for I me. Like it. It's hard for me not to think of Jason Marquis. It's just we, it's weird to me. I think of I, the, I uh, the Wrigley Marquis. That's well, what comes to yeah, mind. Yeah, sure. Wow, right. You're talking about me being negative? You bring up Jason Marquis on this podcast, Corey? Are you joking right now? Well, I mean, I think there's an argument to be made. We're talking about retiring numbers. Would 21 belong to Sosa or Marquis? <laughs> Pull your mic. You're done. You're done. Um, oh, Jesus. No, I, I, I don't know. I just uh, – my initial reaction, I didn't love the name. But whatever. It's a name for a stupid network. But it's an interesting it's an interesting thing because obviously we've been hearing for a while now that them getting their own network and the money that would come from that would create this huge windfall that would just sort of uh, lead them to – as I said before, printing more money. Um, but some of the talk now is that maybe that's not necessarily true. And I, and I think that the bigger talk right now is, again, the concern of what is this going to mean for how people watch the game? I mean, it's, it's a disaster in Los Angeles. I know that. Uh, personally, and I don't know the specifics nor the financials. Personally, I, I'm from Chicago, but I grew up not not in Chicago, and I watch the games through WGN. And that is what kind of cultivated my fandom to this point. So I, I'm grateful for that. I don't know what the effect of that would be in a modern-day television world. You know, a lot of people don't even have cable anymore. I don't know how that affects things. Uh, I don't know how this potential $6 fee affects people in Chicago. I, I Look, I have no idea. I, I got to say, I kind of do trust the Cubs to make the right decision here. I don't know why. I feel as if they've made good business decisions over the course of the Ricketts' ownership. I mean, Wrigley Field, I don't think any of us have any complaints about that. I know some people don't like the the gentrification of it, but overall, it brought in money, it brought in guys like John Lester, it brought in a championship probably. So I'm okay with that type of stuff, but... I guess from a personal standpoint, just my naive opinion, I, I do worry how, you know, younger fans who don't purchase their own cable, how they will be affected if you won't be able to bring in younger fans who are like 10, 11, 12, 13 years old because they can't watch the games. And I think yeah. that would that would be, honestly, that would be very disappointing. And I think of myself who, if I were 13 years old these days, I would not be able to watch the Cubs games properly if, if without some type of illegal stream. And I think that is a disservice to future fans. Yeah, that that's my only thought on it is, again, you know, living in L.A. and knowing that a ton of people that live here and have a cable package cannot watch the Dodger games. And that's it's talked the, about here all the oh, time, Oh, it's a joke too. here. Yeah, people yeah. think it's a joke. Yeah. Um, but that's that's my concern. Again, like I don't I don't currently live in Chicago. Um, I know how to go on Reddit and find the game if I you know, if I'm blacked out anyway, uh, though we would never advocate doing that. <laughs> Wink. And, <laughs> and you know, when I'm in Chicago, a lot of the time I'm at the game. Uh but my concern is for everybody else. Like I think that the Cubs should be doing something that makes it easier to watch the game for everyone. And a lot of times with these RSNs, that's not what ends up happening. So that's really where my concern is. And, you know, again, there, there's a lot of people that live in Iowa or Southern Illinois and, and just those kind of bordering areas that it gets really tricky. They get blacked out, even though they couldn't buy the, the cable package that had the game anyway. So, and and I think that not not just for the Cubs, but I think that's one of the biggest problems amongst baseball as a whole 
is that it's just difficult to watch the games. And, you know, I think one of the reasons that the NBA is seeing the success that it is is because they let everybody post anything. You want to post highlights on Twitter? Go ahead. You want to make a highlight video? Go ahead. The MLB is the opposite of that, right? The MLB is shutting down accounts that are, are sharing pitching gifts and stuff like that. The MLB TV blackout restrictions are ridiculous and and very hard to work around. And so that's where my concern would be. Um, You know, again, at at this moment, it probably wouldn't affect me, but I want people to be able to watch the game. And I, you know, I don't really think that either A, making them pay more money or just making it outright impossible – is the way to do that, especially when we live in an age where a lot of people are just not getting cable in the first place. So I I don't know exactly what they're going to do. I don't know if they would offer uh, a separate mobile package or something like that to work around some things like that. But I hope whatever they do, the accessibility to watch Cubs games is not you know, drastically hindered because I and just you want I to think talk that's about bad Im- for everybody. Yeah, and you want to talk about improving the game to appeal to young viewers, make the game available. Let them watch the sport. You know what I'm trying to say? Like if you're going to make these issues so difficult for people who are under 18 years old to watch the games, you know what I'm trying to say here, yeah. then that's a disservice to not just the Cubs but to baseball in general. Like you're saying, Corey, one of the reasons why we think the NBA is successful, I'm not like a diehard Bulls fan or an NBA fan, but I follow people on Twitter. And yeah, you see basketball always retweeted, shared original content. Whereas for baseball, Rob Friedman, I believe his name is the pitching ninja, had to go through hurdles to get his stuff approved. And it's 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 very difficult to disseminate baseball content. And I don't know. It doesn't seem like it's going to improve the accessibility. doesn't seem like it's going to help reach young viewers. And for that, I hope is resolved. I don't know what the solutions are. I don't know if that's even going to be a problem. But I just hope it doesn't deter future Cub fans away from following their team. Yeah, so we'll keep an eye on that. I I think we're... Uh, going to get more information going forward here. I I kind of thought that they were going to have a lot of this more clearly ironed out by now. I thought we would know this like before even last off season. Yeah, We've always I'm been not, looking at 2019 as like the launching point, and we're we're here. Yeah, it's, it's not here. I'm not yet. sure if uh, I'm not sure if our boy Crane Kenny dropped the ball on this one or what exactly uh. the deal is. But it does kind of seem like this has dragged on longer than I would have thought. I kind of thought we were going to get up and running soon. We still don't even know almost anything about it. So uh, it's interesting. I'm not really positive what's going on there, but we'll we'll keep you updated on that. And when they actually offer this information, we'll try to help everyone you know, figure out if you can watch the Cubs games or not. <laughs> uh, so we'll yeah. see about that. But other than that, I, I think that's all we have for you. Uh, we will... Again, keep things going. Still a lot to happen in the trade market, in the free agent market, and we will jump on here and and talk with you guys if anything happens. Uh, Again, as we move towards spring training, we will uh, get closer to, you know, hopping back on twice a week. Um, But again, I've said this before, uh, as much as we would love to just ramble on here, uh, we really don't want to jump on and and ask you guys to listen to us when it's just us making stuff up or talking about the same stuff over and over again. So uh, kind of give everyone a break. And, you know, again, we're under 40 days from pitchers and catching reporting. So we will will amp up the discussion uh, when the time is right. And hopefully that sits well with you guys. If it doesn't, you know, you can feel free to uh, yell at us to get on here more. We'd be happy to do that too. Uh, But the only thing, uh, the the last thing I'll leave you with is again, I you know, uh, however you'd like to do it, uh, with a toast of your favorite alcohol, a glass of water, um, a cigar, whatever you want to do. Maybe listen to some country music. I don't listen to country music, but I will throw on, uh, you know, a little Jason Aldean or something like that uh, in honor of John Lester, number thirty four. Uh, again, one of the most important players uh, in Chicago Cubs history. 
So however you'd like to celebrate his 35th birthday uh, this fine Monday, uh, I'd say do it and uh, enjoy it. And cheers to John Lester. Hopefully he's not celebrating too much. The last thing we need is John to injure himself, you know, doing something stupid. You know, he likes to drink. If I had to guess, I am assuming he is enjoying an alcoholic beverage on a golf course somewhere. And that's probably about his day. That is... uh, that is what I would guess for old man John Lester. Just don't, please don't hurt yourself. Good God. I, he, he doesn't seem like one of those guys you have to worry about that yeah, way. He's getting out there in age, man. 35. You never know what could happen. Anyway, Brendan's going to celebrate his birthday by worrying about him and, and, and <laughs> uh, you know, thinking of all the ways uh, for this offseason to get worse. Someone somehow. has to stay proactive, man. Right. But I, on the other hand, am going to, uh, you know, cheers to John Lester in, in, in some way or form. I uh, am obviously wearing my John Lester number 34 jersey, uh, and uh, that's about what I got. So again, as always, uh, we still see those reviews coming in on iTunes. We appreciate those as always. You can find us on the Apple Podcast app. All the episodes are streaming on Spotify if you like to listen to music and podcasts over there. We're on Stitcher, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, and Spreaker, which is the replacement for Blog Talk Radio, S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R. And as I always say, if there's somewhere else you listen to podcasts that you prefer us get on uh, that would make your life easier, you can always let us know. That is why we ended up on Spotify. We got a couple messages uh, that that would be easier for some folks. And Brendan did his work, sent some emails, and we're on Spotify. So there you go. It's that it's uh, sometimes easy. So if, if it would make your lives easier listening to this podcast easier, we're happy to at least check into it. Um But as always, we thank you guys for listening. Uh, This is the first episode of 2019, uh, which is, what, the fourth year we've been doing this, Brendan? Is that real? Yeah, but you and I doing this as like a duo. This is the... We're going on... We're going on... Wow, it is a fourth year. What is... What is happening? How about that? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Fourth year. Yikes. Uh, anyway, uh, for those of you that have been been there since the beginning, I'm not sure how you do it, but we really appreciate it. <laughs> Kudos to you um, for putting up with this. I'm gesturing broadly, just putting up with this for you know I carry the show going now. on People four years. Me, I don't think anybody knows that. Um, all I would say is that there's probably a reason that midway through doing all of this, we switch to intros and leads the show but i'll let you guys you know your your imagination can run wild with all of that um but anyway we thank you guys for listening uh we're looking forward to uh, another actual season of real baseball so uh we're looking forward to you know ramping back up getting on here twice a week and talking about the cubs actually playing baseball at some point uh as opposed to spending half the episode on whose birthday it is uh but (laughs) Anyway, uh, we will get back on immediately if something of major importance happens, and we will break that down for you. Otherwise, we will talk to you guys uh, next Monday. We thank you guys for listening, as always, and whether they are playing or not, go Cubs.